Hey everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, you can be physically lost, right? You can also feel emotionally lost. Either way, it's scary to be lost. What do you do when you fear being lost and that fear begins to set in? We're going to be talking about it right after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. A Michigan appeals court is halting challenges to Detroit's bankruptcy filing brought by retirees, pension funds, and city workers in a lower court, meaning the largest municipal bankruptcy in the nation's history looks set to move forward. Marking one of the House's first steps towards dealing with the millions of undocumented workers in the nation, House Republicans are considering providing a path to citizenship for the children of people who entered the nation illegally today. New York's LaGuardia Airport runway is back in operation following a rough landing by a Southwest Airlines flight earlier today. The plane's nose landing gear failed on touchdown, allowing the jet to skid into the grass, injuring 10 people. During notorious mob boss Whitey Bulger's seven-week trial, he has been accused of being many things, including murderer, drug dealer, and even a rat who gave information to the FBI in exchange for impunity. Now his former right-hand man is adding pedophile to the long list, accusing Bulger of being intimate with a 16-year-old girl. Parents are giving their kids less money to go to college, according to a new report from student loan provider Sally May. Parents are taking on 10 percent less of school costs than they were just three years ago. In world news, clashes continue in Egypt between supporters and opponents of deposed former Islamist President Mohamed Morsi. At least nine people were killed in Cairo today during the violence, according to reports from state-run media. The royal family's new addition got his first taste of the outside world last night when his parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, presented their son to the outside world just outside St. Mary's Hospital in London. The newborn prince's father says they are still working on a name. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. And boy, we got a topic for you. We're talking about being lost. And so I pose the question, if you were on a deserted island without a ball to play with, what would you do? What would you feel? Gentlemen, what's your answer? Deserted island, what would you do? You're lost. As long as I could do some fishing, I'd be really okay. Like, because there's no one to interrupt me, there's no one to bother me, and there's lots of fish. And there's no ball to talk to. And there's no... I think for me, it'd be this thing where the first couple of days, I'd be just out of my mind, like... Lost. Just have no do, have no clue what I'm doing. Then I would adjust to it, and there'd be like a two or three week period where we're like, this isn't that bad. I'm just swimming in the this ocean every day. I'm making like... Food, Wouldn't you be hungry? Getting a tan. And then after like two or three weeks, then I'd start to be like, you know, there's a new X-Men movie out I haven't seen. <laughs> there's like ep- missing episodes of TV shows I want to watch. Yeah. Like, this so, is rough. So Ben's primary concern is his backlog of shows. <laughs> yeah. And how it just uh, okay, is going to be full. <laughs> That's sad. So when you're lost, you're going to think of your DVR. Yes. Would any of you think of like, get me out of here? 
I'm lost. No, I would eventually once once I realized that my DVR was getting logged. Uh, oh, so backlogged. that's the problem. Is actually the deserted island that Ben crashes on has two or three bars of 3G service. <laughs> and he said, I need to call for help right after I log on the Netflix app and watch a few more <laughs> shows. Watch and then he drained the battery. Yeah. He has no place to charge it. No, and no, then it's he not like I drained the battery. The I ran my data right. plan out. They cut me off. See, but then, but Rob would, I'm sure, not grab his GPS unit. He would not no. want to use GPS. There's, there's very, very few situations where GPS is helpful. We'll hold it. I got to a business today using GPS. It was very helpful. But can't you just go there? No. I needed, <laughs> I needed the location. I'd have to go buy a map. So I, instead, I just use GPS. Do they even sell maps anymore? Like if you go into the gas station, are there yeah. maps? They do. Yeah. Like at those, it's an antique store. Oh, usually. okay. The antique 7 Elevens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they're still trying to liquidate yeah. Right those next to the glass bottles of Sprite. Maps. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> bottle of Sprite. And depending how big the city is, you might need to stop at several 7 Elevens because the first map will get you to the one part of town, and then you have to stop by the map for that part of town. That's why you need GPS. So no, boom! You skip you everything. Just, you just look at the map before you go. You can go to Google Maps, kind of go, okay, I turn here, turn here, and then that's where that is. And if I get lost, I just know I need to be generally right around here. Okay, and you're good, and you get in the car, and you follow the signs, and, mm. you, and you go. See, that's when you're physically lost. I love GPS. When you're emotionally lost because you've <laughs> lost somebody, what do you turn to? Hmm? You don't have I a thought GPS. We already talked about my DVR. Oh, that's right. You turned to your DVR. <laughs> what would you turn to, Bryce? You're lost. Let's say emotionally, a girl broke up with you. You lost your dog <laughs> that you don't own. DVR. What would I? No. What would you do when you're no, lost? No, because TV shows always have like a love story arc, and, and you just uh, get mad at those it. Those make me angry. <laughs> so don't do that. You uh, turn to do, bacon. How did that ugly guy, who's uglier than me, get that girl? It's, that's not fair. That's because life's not fair. Mm-hmm. And then you're lost. See, lost is hard. You can't even come up with an answer. I'm trying to think. Neither could would... the writers of the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Topical. Totally topical. <laughs> All the way back to 2008. <laughs> We're still – and the word. It's the word lost is so affiliated with that program. Hello. Mm-hmm. No, we've got a great guest on today who has actually taken search and rescue kind of dogs in to go find people that were lost. And he's written a book called Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and Wilderness. And he basically says the exact same principles um, and kind of survival kits they use for people that are physically lost. There's some psychological kits we could use as well, like using your uh, DVR. That's one tool to escape life. And another tool is bacon. Well... Do y'all uh, have those emotional eating? Let's call it that. Do y'all have survival kits? Like, there's always um, like people are always getting like, together yeah. to like make their whatever yeah. seventy-two hour we, kits. We do. Or, ours, ours were infested by ants <laughs> in our garage. I have really the best. The best thing I have is I have an uncle in the military, so I have him send me Rations? MREs. Oh yeah, I blew up people with that once. Yeah, didn't I tell you that? Yeah, you, you, we had you yeah, talked about it on the show. Jam but, bomb. But you're talking about like the old, old. Yeah, now MREs. they're just pour hot water in a bag. Is that what? Yeah, exothermic. Mm-hmm. Endo. Endo. Tropic. Tropic. Thermic. Exothermic. It's um, cool. We all went to college. Yeah, <laughs> some of us are still going. So the idea then today's show lost. What do you guys? When was the last time you actually felt lost? 
emotionally or physically? Let's use Either. all of them. Okay, so growing up, we had this um, stake activity we did, a church activity we did every year. It was mm-hmm. this roller skating that all the young people yeah. in the church would get together and go roller skating at the skating rink. Was there but a snowball year, that you could dance to or skate with a girl? There were basketball goals because like, it was in a gym that yeah. had the basketball goals that raised up. Ooh. So I was always wishing they'd bring them down and then we could play, play ball, ball, with, ball. Our, mm-hmm. with our roller skates on. Um, That's a great way to break a tailbone, just oh, my yeah. thought. Well, Most thank definitely. you. Thanks, we, Mom. We used <laughs> <laughs> That's totally the mom answer. Don't break your tailbone, kids. Every year my dad would drive me to this thing. It was like an hour drive You're excited. <laughs> but every year my dad would drive me to this thing, and every year we would forget where it is, and we'd have to stop off and get and directions. We would be t- and we would stop at the same gas station to ask for directions every time, and every time they didn't know where it was either. Oh. So we would drive around for like an hour. We'd always be an hour late or so because we would never – we could never remember where it was, and we could never get the directions from you people. You never learned the lesson? And he always blamed it on me. Well, this goes back to Rob's point about GPSs, though. I really could have used a GPS yeah, right in there. that That's moment. all you need. You just needed to look up where you were going before you Rob, left. Rob, you're you old school. spatially where it but see, was. But this is like 2003. What was I looking this up on? I mean, a map? Uh, they, they had MapQuest. Yeah, MapQuest, where the first 30 directions are just... See, there was the this, first 30 steps are how to get out of your neighborhood. There was this point <laughs> There was this point in time where it was like... There used to be... You, there were maps everywhere. Everyone had a map in their car. You could go anywhere, look up maps. You could get those big atlases, right? Yeah. And now we have GPS in our pockets all the time, so we can get anywhere we need to go. But there was a point in the middle from like 2000 to 2007, you were 2008... Kind of deciding... Where we, yeah, we couldn't quite make paper. up our minds. It was half map... Yeah. Half GPS. Yeah. And that was a really problematic era for people trying to find stuff. See, that though that was the difficult age. Mm-hmm. That was the, the early adopters were struggling. Yeah. It was adolescence. It was awkward for everyone. Uh-huh. Yeah. But this was that was when Rob was still thriving. You could put my- You're outsourcing your brain. That's the problem. <laughs> but so that's people, right. people get in their car and they say, oh, I'm not going to learn where th- anything is anymore. I just do what the voice tells me to do. Turn left. Okay. Turn right. And so they don't know where they went or how they got there. All they know is they just do what the nice lady That's tells true. Well, she's do. got a great voice. But the problem is- Make a U-turn at the next available U-turn. You definitely very, very friendly. are going to learn more if you're doing what, the Rob method, we'll call it. Where you go and look up where you're going and try and it learn the direction. Well, or Christopher Columbus method. Or the Magellan method. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's not. Christopher Columbus technically. <laughs> yeah, talk about guys. <laughs> technically, he was lost and he found the wrong place. He had a map, though. It all, he had a map. He found the wrong place and then thought, though, it was the old, or place he was originally looking and for. And in fact, he never actually made it to his destination. See, that's the problem with a map because you can think you're right because you can make the map right. fit. I'm just saying, Columbus is not the best if example. If the map fits, you must acquit. It, it all worked out for him. Yeah, and if he had had a GPS, he would have put it in and the Nina would have barked at him, trip not possible, and so then he wouldn't have Hold gone. Hold it. If he had a GPS, he would have been incredible because that would have been the first <laughs> GPS of all time. If we ever build a time machine, the first thing I'm going to do is go back in time and give Chris Columbus a GPS just to mess with everyone else. <laughs> that would throw everyone off. Yeah. That's a great idea. Take that East India Trading Company. That's right. It would be the United States of East India. But Rob's method here of, of, of like actually looking stuff up is a more rewarding experience. Well, right? You can learn something you. in it, the long run. It saves you. Well, okay, so imagine I'm 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm let loose with some acquaintances 
girl, my uncle's girlfriend's son's car. It's a long story. I, was, I got to borrow. It was, it was, <laughs> Wait, I think it's a story that needs to be elaborated on. Slow down. <laughs> okay, and, and I who's have, in the car? And I anyway, I'm borrowing a car. Uh, sir, do okay. you have a registration I, I for this a, vehicle? <laughs> whose kid is that? And and I have no clue how I'm going to get from Redondo Beach, California, to I think Arcadia or Temple City or somewhere. It's going halfway across LA. So. I kind of looked at the map of generally where I needed to go, put a few notes on a sticky note, and off I went. Sticky note, okay. Had no GPS, and I come up on this big freeway interchange, and at the last second I go, Norwalk? That doesn't sound right. I'm going to get in the other lane and go the other way. And it dumped me out, and next thing I know I'm in a tunnel. I'm going under the runway at LAX, and I have no clue where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. And it was was a fantastic adventure that took me – Two or three hours longer than did they call had the police? I, no, because you were a kid was missing. No, okay, but like there's been an unidentified vehicle underneath the runway at LA because I had a general sense of where I needed to go. I could just follow the signs, and eventually I worked my way around the 405 and through downtown yeah. and up through Pasadena. But you could and do and the and same I got thing there. with GPS, couldn't you? Yeah, here's the thing about though is that that's that's but, fun. But now, I, but now I know where I'm at. Right. That's fun. And you learned a lot about where you were. Yeah, but imagine going to if help I had, you in the long run. But, if I had been imagine reliant. Imagine if you had to be there at a specific moment. If you had 20 minutes I to just, get somewhere that's going to take you 25, I sometimes you need the GPS. Oh, I, I no, no cell phone back then or anything. It See, just, but you know. isn't it – so couldn't you just enter it into GPS? It'll find the coordinates. Then you just zoom out. Find the great L.A. area. See where you are in relation to where you're going. The pro- and then zoom back in, and the, now you have context. Because the problem is most of the time pe- people don't do that. They just follow the instructions. And, and that one time you don't have the GPS, you're just, what do, you, what do I do? What do I do? Well, it's true. And, and you're lost. Ooh, yeah. but, but if you're normally kind of lost all the time, then it's not a big deal when you are. <laughs> because you know how to handle it. Well, but wouldn't the same thing happen if you didn't have a map? Um, You'd still be lost. Okay, so I was in San Francisco, and I didn't know where the Golden Gate Bridge was. Well, you asked. I knew I was on a hill somewhere, and that's all I knew. So I walked, in, I walked into Rite Aid, <laughs> and this very nice lady who spoke yeah. English poorly. Did and, she talk like this? No. Okay. Was she Hal from 2001? Was, <laughs> no, that's the I'm GPS. I'm sorry, Rob. I can't do that. <laughs> she told me I needed to turn on Park Presidio Boulevard or whatever she said. Well, I know, but if I didn't have a GPS, and then I'd I followed do the same it, thing. And it worked great. And I got to meet some lady at a Rite Aid who told you, me I needed you know to what turn left on Park Presidio Boulevard. I know what this is about. It was great. You are mad that you didn't invest money in Garmin. You're mad. Um Probably shouldn't be mad about that. Had one of those, was not impressed. <laughs> uh, was, two out of five, would not recommend. G- well, GPS. I mean, here, you you're mad. There's that whole thing, right? There's that stereotype that men don't like to stop and ask for yeah. directions, right? Yeah. And Rob has taken that to a new extreme where he doesn't even want to ask his phone for directions. Do you know how many times the GPS has been wrong? <laughs> That's As true. I, driving, one time I, Google Maps took me, I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, trying to get to downtown, and it took me up to Park City. And yes. then had me turn around in Park City and come well, you, back. But down. hold on, you didn't drive there, did you? What? Did you drive to Park City? I got I. I it's a turn right, and I turned right, and then I thought, wait a second, this, this isn't right. Is not possibly correct, and had to turn See, around real quick. You guys are messed. I'm driving through South Pasadena. It says make a left on whatever street. I just get this gut sensation that the GPS was wrong, and I went my way, and I got there. Okay, now look, you guys are fighting about. 
a tool we have or multiple tools we have that exist when we're physically lost. How do you get when, what happens when you're lost in your job and you're not sure you even want to work there anymore? Well, well what do let, you use? Well, let's bring it let's bring it deeper. I think what they're getting at is what's better. Using your brain to figure something out and growing, interesting, preparing or before, a technology, or relying on a technology yes. that may or may not be helpful in the long run, or that yeah, that won't be. It's not you. It's not you. Use. It's not you in the instrument. It, it's not your brain. It's not your faculties. A person like it. A person who's lost could go to the GPS, like you say, and get unsatisfactory results, or they could go to the source of the problem and deal with it the same way in a job if you're concerned about it. You could go to Google and start Googling a bunch of questions, or you could go to your boss and just talk to your boss directly. When 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 I'm feeling lost or like I need some direction, what do I do? I turn to literature. Because See, I was in, I another was a, technology, really. I turned to, to my books because I'm an English major and I read my my Wordsworth or whatever. But does it matter if I'm reading it on my Kindle or if I'm reading it on a, paper, in a physical book? I would say no. All that matters is the message. We're too, so wrapped up in the the, the, the medium, the device of delivery, whether it's directions or yes. literature or advice, that we're maybe sometimes not worried about the content. The content's the same no matter what. If it's, we can get it more easily. It's the thingamajig. A map has never barked at me and said, make a U-turn. You know those greeting cards you'd open maps that would have like a nice. voice in it? What if there were maps that did that? Now, that would be a good idea. I would burn all of them. Yeah. I would <laughs> know. Then it wouldn't work. So that's our show. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to get into when you're lost. Truly, not just not physically lost, except we are going to be talking to somebody that has been using uh, search and rescue dogs to help find people that have been lost. And we're going to learn the principles that he's learned. We're even going to come up with a little bit of a kind of a, a kit, a, a helpful toolkit psychologically when you don't know what you want, when you don't know what you want out of life or your job and things aren't working for you. How do you not just give up, roll into a ball and give up your life? Instead, how do you find yourself? That's what we're talking about today. Lessons of the Lost. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. NASA suggests a new way of looking at Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease that's out of this world. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease can be devastating. Both of them attack the brain, destroying memory and motor functions. As deadly as they are, their effects ravage not only the patient, but also the lives of loved ones, friends, and family. NASA researchers at the Kennedy Space Center and Glenn Research Center have some theories about the possible causes of these diseases. More importantly, they have a unique capability to look closer at how they develop. The diseases begin when normal proteins in the brain start developing abnormally, bunching up into thread-like blockages. The NASA team thinks the mechanism for this may be similar to how crystals grow, and so they want to look at growing these protein structures in a microgravity environment just the kind of environment provided by the International Space Station as it orbits our planet. In Earth gravity, these protein samples soon crumple under their own weight, but in microgravity, we'll be able to see their real shapes and perhaps decode the disease mechanism from a new perspective. The next step is repurposing some existing hardware from earlier crystal growth experiments and getting it back into space to help hunt down a cure. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. 
There are classes on parenting, science, how to change anything, how to run a business, how to grow a garden. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. I think anything you'd ever want to learn and know more about is offered here. BYU Education Week, a thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about being lost. Have you ever been lost in your life in a space or a place where you just don't know what you want anymore? You don't know about your job. You're not loving it. It's not where you want to be. What are you supposed to do? How do you get out of that feeling of lost? How do you keep and maintain some resilience? And uh, how do you get your life back? We're going to be talking about that with a good friend and, a, and just an awesome um, uh, expert on the subject coming up. Scott Hammond is going to be joining us. But before we do that, there is, uh, we've noticed, this state of perpetual lost. That sounds weird. Perpetu- being perpetually lost. Perpetual lostness. Lostidity. Lost in perpetuality. Oh, in perpetuity. English major. Ooh. We need to kick him is off that the what team. It really is? I don't know if perpetuality is a word. I just... It's not. It doesn't sound right. Let's just. I liked um, lost in perpetuities. Yeah, we need to get rid of Ben. He's really like I he's hate really smart <laughs> English majors. Him um, and his words. But now, now Bryce, you put together this bit about kind of being the perpetual freshman. Is that the idea? That's the idea. That's the you know that feeling you get as yeah. a freshman. You're just new. Everything's new. Let's listen to Bryce. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. My parents have this joke. Whenever they're dropped into a situation where they feel hopelessly lost, they call it feeling like a freshman. Think about it. When you show up to high school for the first time, you're usually feeling one of two emotions. Either you have a false sense of security because you're overconfident or you feel lost. After your first three minutes in high school, either your confidence has been shattered or your feelings of helplessness have been verified. Either way, you become frighteningly aware that you're way out of your league. And that's the feeling they're trying to convey when they call it feeling like a freshman. For my parents, this is what it's like when they move somewhere. A freshman after their first week of high school only knows a few locations. They know their classes, their locker, and the cafeteria. This is just like my parents knowing three places. The house, the grocery store, and the office. And they're imprisoned at these checkpoints by fear in the same way freshmen will hesitate to find a new route to class because they're afraid of something like getting lost and being late to their next class. But it's okay. This is the process. Eventually you'll feel comfortable enough with your safe zones, maybe even a little bored, and you'll work up the courage to venture out a little ways. Or you'll meet people who are already comfortable and they'll guide you around. Either way, the distance you're willing to go from your checkpoints increases until the checkpoint is no longer relevant. And I would venture to say this is like becoming a senior. You get to a point where everything around you is a safe zone. And then you get bored, stop trying, and you hunger for more new exciting adventures. That is, until you get to college to be a freshman all over again and you have seniors like me getting frustrated at you because you don't walk fast enough. But some people have trouble becoming a senior. Something holds them back. Maybe it's their fear. And I don't say fear in the motivational speaker sort of way. I'm talking about a more pragmatic fear. 
For example, there's an entire area to the south in my hometown of Dallas that I've never even been to. The constant rumor is that the crime rate there is pretty high, and if you check the statistics, the rumor is accurate. I haven't had a reason good enough to overrule my fear, and until I do, that place will remain a vast unknown wilderness to my mind. But maybe it could be our situation that never allows us to become a senior. Something like work only leaving us the time to go home and sleep before we have to get back up and go to work again. But when we're stuck feeling like a freshman, that feeling of perpetual lostness, we're in need of a rescue. This is why we need relationships and people around us. And we all need to keep our eyes peeled for people who are in need of a rescue. But more than that, we need to be in a position in which we can rescue someone. Because as we all know, bad swimmers make worse lifeguards. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Perpetual lostness. That was good. Thank you. I made it up. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Then freshman again. Then freshman again. And actually, you know what's fun? You go freshman, then to senior, then you start your new job, freshman. And then then you move to a new town for your other job, freshman. Life does this to you where as soon as you start to feel comfortable in a place, it's time to start over. Boom. Right? I mean, you do it in uh, elementary school. As soon as you start to feel comfortable. Right when you're big enough to beat everyone up. Exactly. Boom. They take it away from you. You you finally start to get your lunches paid for because you're beating up little kids and taking their (laughs) lunch money. And then right when you're a bully, they take it. Now that I'm speaking from experience, I was a little kid. That's all hypothetical. and That's in high you, school, it just happens to you like every four years, you're basically restarting your so life. You, you get a promotion. So you think we'd be good at this lost feeling, but we actually don't seem to like it. We seem to like, it's, it's almost like we're, I don't know, lost. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. We want to control it. And so then all of a sudden we face reality and then you're at a job. And by the way, you could even have gotten to the job not even wanting the job and not even really thinking about the degree. Because you didn't know. Because a lot of us picked our degrees when we were sophomores. <laughs> when we were teenagers. Not because as we, we were, all know, right. teenagers make excellent life yes. decisions. <laughs> yes. So then all of a sudden you're a senior. You've got your degree and you're thinking, I wish I had known thinking, now. I made a huge mistake. But now you go do your job and then all of a sudden you're in a job for five years and then you got to go get a master's degree. Yeah. I'm looking at all of you. I'm not getting a master's degree. It does not apply to me. You're getting one right there. <laughs> Ben's getting one. Lost. Okay, so that's interesting. So here we sit. Um, that, by the way, again, that was maybe even less of a rant. That was um, truth. Truth, I guess. <laughs> wow. I don't know. We can't have Bryce's truth. That doesn't rhyme. No. That also isn't a knockoff of a uh, of a major uh, of an early or a late afternoon. Or not late afternoon. Midday. Game show. Midday. There we go. Game show. But it was. there's a ton of truth in that. You've got to – this fear thing gets us. So the fear might keep us lost. The fear might also um, keep us from moving forward where the answers might be. Hmm. There's something to this. And also, I mean, if we're talking lost, one thing that always kind of gets me is whenever someone, let's say they go – uh, biking in the middle of nowhere into the, you know, yeah, in, into the desert or something. Whenever they get lost, they'll go, you know, they'll send out search parties and they'll find them like 200 feet from a trail. Right. And so you think they've been gone for a few days, they've been traveling, and you think they're going to be just so far in the middle of nowhere, but they're actually right, right there. there. That's kind of... You were this it, close. There's also that thing, right, where if you remove all landmarks, we go in circles. That humans tend to really. Yeah, I didn't know that. When was we get lost, bad. when we get lost, research shows that we go in circles. Was that in the Scout Handbook? 
I don't know. I didn't read the Scout Handbook. Because <laughs> I'm like, I never heard. I, I believe that. I didn't make it past, past Tenderfoot, so. Oh, well. I had more important things like my DVR. Yeah, you were DVRing <laughs> stuff. Um, humans. And then we get stuck. We get So if you guys out there and you're thinking, man, I don't want to be where I am. I don't like my job. Or I had a couple today. What do you do when the you really want to get help for your marriage and they don't want to get help? And so her literal words in our letter today was, I just feel lost. Uh. So we're going to ask our guest, what do you do? You're sitting in a marriage. You can't find your way out. Boom. You're lost. We're going to be t- joined here in just a minute by Dr. Scott C. Hammond, author of the book Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and the Wilderness. Good stuff, my friends. If you've ever felt lost, this is the chance to gain some tools to get out of it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. The largest municipal bankruptcy filing in the nation's history looks set to move forward thanks to a Michigan appeals court putting lawsuits challenging the firm filing on hold. Detroit's public workers, pension funds, and retirees want the bankruptcy blocked on state constitutional grounds. Republicans in the House are taking one of their first steps towards addressing the problems surrounding the millions of undocumented immigrants in the nation today. A plan to grant citizenship to the children of illegal immigrants is now being considered. New York's LaGuardia Airport runway is back in operation following a rough landing by a Southwest Airlines flight earlier today. The plane's nose landing gear failed on touchdown, forcing the jet to skid into the grass, injuring 10 people. During notorious mob boss Whitey Bulger's seven-week trial, he has been accused of being a murderer, drug dealer, and even giving the FBI information on rival groups. But now his former right-hand man is adding pedophile to the list, accusing Bulger of being intimate with a 16-year-old girl. Parents are giving their kids less money to go to college, according to a new report from student loan provider Sally May. Parents are taking on 10 percent less of school costs than they were just three years ago. In world news, clashes continue in Egypt between supporters and opponents of deposed former Islamist President Mohamed Morsi. At least nine people were killed in Cairo today during the violence, according to reports from state-run media. The royal family's new addition got his first taste of the world last night when his parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, presented their son to the outside world at St. Mary's Hospital in London. The newborn prince's father says they're still working on a name. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host here, Dr. Matt Townsend, joined today by an excellent friend, Dr. Scott Hammond. Thank you, Matt. Good to have you. Now, Scott, i got to introduce you properly. Oh, no. Because Scott was my faculty advisor when I got my master's degree, and I was entirely lost 
because I didn't want to do broadcast journalism because I didn't want to end up just being a talk show host. Yeah, you wanted some substance <laughs> in your life, right? I wanted some substance. And so I wanted to get more into like corporate communication and you helped me steer my career toward corporate training and stuff. You're the man. Oh, thank you so much. You know, you were not lost, but you were a great student. I know, but I, <laughs> you made it so easy. So Scott Hammond, he really is is incredible. He's uh, an organizational development consultant, but he also has a lot of media experience as well. Um, he's a professor of management in the Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. More importantly to this topic today... And not really more importantly, but just more um, – it's just additive. You're a volunteer search and rescue worker with Rocky Mountain Rescue Dogs. Yes. So you take dogs out. Here's this Ph.D. professor, well-studied and well-versed in all this stuff, and you take a bunch of dogs out to find people that are lost. You know, it just changed my life. I had a golden retriever, 14 years I went hiking with him. I love this dog. And when he passed away about four years ago, I decided to get another dog. And, and my daughter said, well, why don't you train him to be a search dog? And I thought, well, 20 minutes or 30 minutes here, yeah. and we'll have it done. It takes 800 hours That's, to train a search dog. To train dog. a dog. Yeah. And, That's 800 hours of climbing, walking, hiking, oh, yeah. healing. Yeah. Heal. And wow. it's actually uh, about 20 hours for the dog, and the rest is for me. You know? That's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's, it teaches it's really you. the uh, person we have to train. Oh, oh yeah. yeah you have dog. to to read the dogs. But dogs can dogs have about uh, 200 to 300 times more scent um, ability really? than we do, than humans do. So they can find things in the woods. And one dog in a search is worth about 100 searchers. So you can see if you oh, have somebody lost like value. we did in the, right. over the weekend yeah. in the Uintas in Utah that – you know, we we have a, it's a really high value to have a canine. There. So you, but you can. Do you also do like um, if there's uh, like a natural disaster and a building yeah. collapses, you can go into those as well. And, yeah, we don't do very much of that in Utah. FEMA so has many. really good uh, search dogs for that. Uh, well, it's also it seems so personal too because these dogs go home with you. Oh yeah, there this are. isn't like you're not just picking up your dog. It's th- not like they're a, not pets; they're yeah. working dogs, and they love their work. Do That's an, one thing that I didn't understand: is a dog loves Does to it? do this work. It's a game for them, yeah. and it, they live for it. And so, you know, my dog Dusty, the Wonder Dog, I call him. But uh, oh, I've seen the pictures. You too. know, Cute. yeah, he's like this big killer, wonderful golden retriever. Yeah. But he loves. You know, he likes to train. That's but he can sense. When there's a real search. Because there's so, intensity oh, to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. He picks up on the emotions. And so we were training on Friday up in the Uintas, and we were listening on the radio, and they were getting a search uh, going about 20 miles away. And we could hear on the radio that Summit County was doing a search, and we called and volunteered our canines because they were calling for canines. And uh, and as soon as we volunteered, the dog's all excited. Well, he, know, he knew. Yeah. He, yeah, knew he knew we were going to the party. Yeah, so it's a game for them. So then, from this, you've been you've been picking up people that have been lost, finding people that were lost. You've learned that there's this concept, lostness. Well, you know, Matt, it just people have gifted me with some incredible stories, and these are just deep, sacred stories. You know, when somebody's out in the woods and and they're lost in the wilderness, it's a life learning experience, a life changing experience for them. And so when I first started writing about this, I thought, well, gee, you know, uh, I'm going to write a book. Right. And then at the end of it, I realized this is not my book. It's their book. It's their book. It's their voice. And so a good example of this is Victoria Grover, 
who about a year ago, about 14 months ago, when she'd done a BYU survival um, thing. Like of, camp? Like, yeah, 30 years ago and done all these survival okay. skills in the Escalante. Yeah. And then she came out to Utah and spent a week in the Escalante hiking. Well, on day two, she broke her leg. This was on the national no news. Way. You probably saw yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and broke her leg. Yeah, she was there for four days and survived. And she gifted me with this wonderful story wow. about her process of what did she do, what did she think, how did she go through step by step to solve this incredible Amazing. problem. And, and, you know, it's stories like that that help me realize that lostness is a human condition. I, you know, I like to say that if you've gone to junior high in the United States, you've been lost. <laughs> you know what lost is. And, and Bryce like. is, in fact, right. Is if he? you've been a freshman, you've That's been it. lost. Because you you're also doing freshman orientation oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we lose half of our freshmen in the United States. Half of our freshmen don't, don't come back out. for their sophomore year. So really? it's a national tragedy. Yeah. You know, and it's the same kind of lostness that a freshman feels that Victoria felt in the woods where your leg's broken, where you don't know where things are, where, you know, you just got to survive and yeah. solve the next problem. For her, you know, the first thing was she was – she had gone down a uh, – well, she'd been caught out one night in the woods. But she, that wasn't a problem. She knew what to do. She had a fire. She yeah. had a pack, everything. Day two, she's hiking down uh, this this waterfall area to get to a stream so she can walk out. Walk out she knows stream. where she yeah. is. She's got to drop 18 inches. 18 inches, and she drops down, lands in the sand wrong, twists her leg, Breaks and she it. has a near compound fracture. Okay? Oh, my And she's heavens. stuck in this hole. She describes this hole that she's stuck in, and, and nobody can see her, and there's no water. And, and she's de- starting to dehydrate. And she's a physician's assistant, so, so she, she knows, knows exactly what what's going yeah. on. And so it's a new kind of a problem for her to solve. Wow. And, and you know, for, to me, the kicker was the first thing she did, she realized she had to get out of this hole to get to the water as quickly as possible. And she, and she couldn't do it. She has, she's missing a leg, essentially. Jeez. She can't move the leg yeah. or she'll, have a, she'll bleed to death. And, um, and so she thinks and thinks. And then she clears her mind, says a prayer, and she sees herself going up and over this out of the hole backwards. And she's just like envisioning, what, yeah, envisioning exit. some. She'd never climbed backwards, yeah. But she goes, she puts her butt on the and she did on it. the rock and pushes up with her good leg, and she goes up and over. It takes her twelve hours to go about fifty yards to the water, but she makes it. Unbelievable. And so you know the the first lesson of the lost is survival is insufficient. <laughs> you know, you guys. Yeah. I mean, survival is what we do yeah. while we're waiting. To figure out how to thrive, right? Right. you got to thrive, though. But the second lesson of the loss that she taught me was think differently, to see differently, see differently, to act differently. Think to see, see to do or act. Yeah. And so, you you know, she's sitting there and she has to think of a different way to solve this problem. It's something completely new. So she goes up backwards. Then the next thing she does that's amazing is she has a little $2 poncho she bought at the dollar store. You know, it saved her life. Because the first function it had for her was that she pulled it behind her. She scoots across the, in the sand and puts anything that will burn on it. So for 50 yards while she's, she's going. She's just scooting, yeah. gathering, gathering flammables. Builds a fire while she's sitting by the stream. It gets down to 35 degrees that night. She doesn't even have a jacket on. But she's burning. She's got a fire, and she buried the fire in the sand and then sat on the hot coals wow. that kept her warm. Thinking differently, yeah. you know, just thinking differently. I mean, that applies to anybody in a job situation where it's not working right. You've got to think differently, I guess, to do differently. Oh, yeah. But see, I, it's easy to just get stuck in like, eh, 10 more years. 
Yeah. I can well, hang well, on you've probably more. had this happen before. Somebody comes in with a relationship problem mm-hmm. or you see a job problem and you haven't even given a finished your suggestion yet and they say, "Oh, I can't do that." Yeah. Or they say, I- "I've tried that." Yeah, I've tried that or I can't do that. Uh, or that's yeah. That and they're already cr- shaking it off. That's right. And and you have to stand back like she did and think differently and act differently. Yeah. Every person that I've interviewed who's been lost in the woods had a meditation or prayer moment like that. Did they really? Where they just saw it differently. I'll give you a really good example. About three weeks ago, and I'm not going to use names here yeah. because I don't. It's a it's a minor, but we were called out on an eight year old uh, lost kid in the woods. Oh boy, he's he'd gone out with his home teacher oh, because no. his dad's not around. Gone out with his home teacher on a father son's outing, oh, and man. he's lost in the woods overnight. Can you imagine that? You lost fear? this boy too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so the home teacher, the bishop, everybody yeah. is just like oh. And and we're looking for this kid, and uh, bless his heart, you know, he the sun, it's getting dark, and he's out there alone. He doesn't know where he is. He's actually two miles from the camp. He can hear people yelling, but he can't yell back, you know. His voice isn't strong enough. And he said, he said five prayers. Oh, wow. Five prayers. And on the fifth prayer, he decided, I'm going to go in the middle of this field. So he goes in the middle of the field, and there's a big clump of grass. And he's, I'm going to climb on the I'm grass. Climb on the grass. Well, it's just like a hay bed, you know, for the kid. <laughs> so he's sitting there in the hay bed all night, plenty warm, plenty f- yeah. just fine. The next morning, a couple of horseback riders come by below him and say, "Are you that lost boy?" And he goes, "Yeah," and, found him. and they found him. But, See. but it was that ability, even yeah. for an eight-year-old, to clear his mind and think differently. Uh-huh. And sometimes prayer does that for you or meditation yeah. or something like that. Getting back to a – just just kind of back to your essence, not getting caught up in the moment, the fear. Yeah. Getting away from that and finding the peace. Yeah, and you say fear of it. Uh, and, and Bryce talked a yeah, lot about fear. Did. But one of the lessons that I talk about is fear itself can kill you. Oh, yeah. Just fear can kill you. Just the actual emotion. Yeah, the emotion of fear. And, you know, every person I've talked like one of the kids we interviewed, a 12-year-old scout who was lost, talked about a freak-out moment. And he realized, you know, he'd he'd run into a bull moose. He only has a (laughs) T-shirt. It's getting dark, you know. Oh, my heavens. And he has this freak-out moment. Yeah. And then he realizes somewhere in that moment, this can kill me. If I stay in this state. Well, yeah. I don't solve this. It will kill me. And unemployed people. I've talked to a, a friend of mine who's unemployed recently, and, you know, the fear Same feeling. is eroding him Yeah, to where he goes into a job interview I don't now. Fix it. Yeah, i got to get yeah. this one. I've got to get I've got to get this one. And so the, he goes into the interview and blows it. Oh, well, that comes off so oh. wrong. Yeah. And, like, and in a relationship, yeah. too, right? Yeah, when, totally. You know, we got to fix our don't relationship. Leave, yeah, exactly. We've got to fix it. We've got to fix it. And and that fear of, of what could happen can... And so you almost... You just have to let go of that and have it's faith. huge. It's a huge thing. Fear can kill you. It's and and yet, if a little eight year old can muster some strength to not have that, yeah, anyone can. Yeah, it's yeah. just you've got to get kind of centered. Yeah, it, but it's a childlike. It is. It's to a that childlike. fight or flight reaction, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's humility. There's a humility that comes with being lost in the wilderness. One of the times I started this book project when I got lost myself, and I was only lost for about 20 minutes. Was it at Walmart? No, yeah, it could have been. (laughs) I could never find my car at Costco. (laughs) No, that's my wife who's lost at Walmart. (laughs) She just hates those stores. So you got lost? (laughs) Yeah, I I was up in the mountains. Uh, We were trying to climb a mountain. Um, 
I was with a friend, a buddy. You know, it was a place that was very familiar to me. Yeah. And we had a, um, a weather event come in. I was trying to get to the top before the blizzard hit. Well, the blizzard <laughs> hit on the way up. Oh, we turned around to go out, and you could see about 20 feet. And, you know, being a lifelong outdoorsman and a competent Ph.D. Right. professor. You can figure this out. I can figure this out. I if don't only need you a, had your dogs. <laughs> yeah, well, if only I had a dog, a compass, and a map. I didn't have any of you those. You didn't have any of No, that. you know, and so we were lost really just for about 20 minutes. Oh. But I went into this deep free fall of shame. Did you really? And shame is, the, is a form of fear. Yeah, it's totally. a highly toxic yeah. form of fear that, that will just erode you that way. And if you talk to anyone who's been lost, anyone, even years afterwards, they'll talk about the shame they felt. See, yeah, because I should have known better. I should have known I better. I didn't listen to my leaders. I didn't pay attention to my handbook. Yeah, and my good friend, and these are, some of these people have become good friends, Victoria Grover, who I was talking yeah. about, is still talking about dealing with the shame of going back to her small town, town and her family, and she lives in Maine, and they embraced her. They like, loved her. They wanted to have it. her back. Right. Yeah, everything, same thing Friday night, you know, the scout comes up yeah. the trail, and he didn't know he was lost, and his <laughs> whole troops there and one by Yay. one these boys they hug him, him and embrace him and the bishop cries and yeah. the whole thing and yet his feeling is shame uh, you know all these people were out looking for me all of this trouble and it's, it's shame it's a it, that this is a huge topic we're talking with dr scott hammond author of the book lessons of the lost finding hope and resilience in work life and the wilderness we're going to come back we're going to get into a psychological survival kit that scott's got and put together for us we're going to talk more about being lost get the people you know maybe those that are feeling a little fear a little shame about their lives get them to listen to this this is the matt townsend show you're listening to byu radio With a summertime parent previews movie guide, I'm Rob Gustafson. There is nothing in the world Mitchy Torres wants more than to go to Camp Rock. Luckily for the cash-strapped teen, her mother lands the catering contract for the venue and a chance for her daughter to attend classes. However, fitting in with the wealthy and fabulously famous kids at the camp proves to be a problem. On the other hand, Shane, the camp celebrity instructor, isn't all that excited to be volunteering in an attempt to redeem his public image. This isn't punishment. It's a reward. Now get in there and make us proud. Run. Hi, everybody. I'm Jason. I'm going to be your counselor. I'm a little new at this, so I thought you guys would go a little bit easier on me. What do you say? Hi, City. Let's get him! Full of singing and dancing from start to finish, this Disney Channel original movie attempted to imitate the massive success enjoyed by another of the studio's productions, High School Musical. And with only mild slapstick antics and name-calling, this script leaves plenty of time for all that music. Unfortunately, in an effort to fit in, Mitchie does resort to lying, a decision that comes back to haunt her budding romance with Shane. While the TVG-rated Camp Rock fell short of what it could have become, it does offer plenty of positive elements and is a great summertime pick for a long, hot afternoon. Helping parents make confident cinema choices, this is the Parent Previews Movie Guide. Like BYU Radio on Facebook for updates on our shows, Cougar Sports, and more. Once you're there, you can connect with our hosts, producers, and other BYU Radio listeners. Plus, if you have any requests, suggestions, or questions, just ask us on our Facebook page. We love to hear from you. So like BYU Radio on Facebook.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We uh, today are talking about lost, feeling lost when you're lost. There's some hope, and who better to do it than the author, Dr. Scott Hammond, has written a book, Lessons of the Lost: Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and Wilderness. But uh, Scott's a great friend, and these stories, Scott, these are these are the stories of survivors who have been lost. And but you actually see that there's a direct corollary between all of us. Wherever we're yeah. lost, whenever oh, yeah. we're lost, there's certain principles that will always apply. And we and you said we because we've all been lost. Everyone. And and that's the one thing that that can help you override shame is to realize that this is a common human condition. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Like yeah. In, yeah, we don't we but it's interesting. It is on every news story. Yeah. On every news story are all of there's always going to be the story of the lost person we're looking for, the person with Alzheimer's that walked away. There's always the story of well, and it's, it's a theme. It goes all the way back to the New Testament and the prodigal son. Does it's it? a theme that runs through all it's literature. Life. Yeah, it's life. And then those that are lost in their family and the child that never got away from drugs and then got lost in life. And yeah, lost on. causes, you know, lost, I, causes. lost causes, deprivation. So you're deprived of something that somebody else has. So right. that's unemployment. Separation. You separate from your network, your support you're system. You're no longer a member of the team. Yeah. And Separation, deprivation. Um, deviation. So you deviate from the values. Yeah, you went against. You went against the group. Isolation. So you become really physically connected. Off. And then the fifth one for me is realization. In that you re- sometimes people will realize that they're lost, and that causes that deep fear. Yeah. Or they'll they'll realize you know they'll, they'll wake up when they're forty five, and say I've never done anything with my career. Yeah. And that realization can be toxic. Oh, and then you're like I'm a loser. Yeah. I'm 45 and I haven't made my millions. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't met so-and-so's expectation of what right. my life would be. That is – and it's – the funny thing is, is we're actually no more lost the day before we figure it out than we are now. Yeah. It's just the realization hits us and then our mind gets stewing. Yeah. And we start awfulizing but, or but whatever let, we do. Let me tell you something that is just a big realization yeah. for me. I, I went out on a um, – the first search I ever went out on. Um, and I couldn't bring my dog because I was just in training. And there was a young woman, um, Casey Robinson, who has this beautiful dog named Wasatch, and she ran the perfect search. And this man had been missing for 10 days. We knew he'd, he was deceased out in Wendover, Nevada. And she found him in about an hour and 10 minutes. They'd been looking for 10 days, and she found she him. She just walked right in and found well, him. Well, the dog did. You know, wow. the, dog, the dogs are that good. Yeah. It, it took the dog about three minutes to figure out the problem and about an hour and, and seven minutes to get to the victim. Can you tell when the dog's on a scent? Like, oh, yeah. can you t- and it, you're yeah. just let it go. And Their nose just... goes up, and they follow. They, 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 the nose sort of leads them. How amazing. To, to the victim. So she, she goes into this. It's a small town sheriff. They have all the law enforcement treating it as an unattended death. The dog handlers are managing their dogs. And I'm just standing there. And this woman comes up to me. And she's this short woman. I'm about six foot. She's yeah. probably about four feet. Yeah. Seemed like she was. And she's chattering away. And I'm not really listening to her. And then finally she says to me, I was a good wife. I was good. And I realized this is the wife. victim's wife. And he's 20 feet away, dead, you know. Oh, man. And, and then she, you know, she talks about how she fed him and clothed him. He was an alcoholic and, he, you know, he had all of these problems in his life, but, but she took good care of him. And then she t- looked at me and she said, you know, he was lost a long time before he went missing. 
Oh, interesting. And that was this that huge, like, you know, we always think of the yeah. missing yeah. Pr- person. That's it. But the lostness mm-hmm. is different, a different problem. He was lost when he became an alcoholic. He was lost when he separated from his family in Idaho yeah. and moved to Wendover where he, you know, started working in casinos. He was lost when he started drinking. Yeah. It, then he separated and that's what was, you know, the fatal mistake. That, it's there. interesting because that's just kind of the that's just the manifestation of loss yeah. is the physical. Yes. Or oh, like yeah. finally when, yeah, you've you've been drinking so much, your liver gives out, and now all of a sudden you're about to die. Now we think that oh, that's so yeah. sad, but we may have been lost for years. For years, and there are people who you talked about this yeah. earlier. Bryce was right. Yeah, Bryce uh, is you right. know there is perpetual. Lostness yeah. in some of this. Well, and it's, it's so lost is also a component. It's a part of life. Yeah. So dealing with loss, being lost, it's life. It's a part of life. So there are some tools, some skills to make sure we're not so devastated by loss. Yeah. In the book, lost. I have nine of them. Okay, let's hear. Yeah. Let's hear some. First of one is survival is insufficient. Right? We yeah. talked about that. Think differently to see differently, and see differently to act differently. So That's you have cool. to start getting into a different mindset. Yeah. Because a lot of people are driven by history when they're lost. I, this used to work. I used to be able to do it this way, and and it doesn't work anymore. You know. So there's there's a lot of that. The third one is see how others see you, and it has value even if they're wrong. Well, now, that's know, interesting because if one of yours is isolation, you don't get a feedback loop to, to, to let you know how others see you. Yeah. Victoria Grover is a good example of this. She describes as in the four days that she was there, she had a conversation with everybody she knew. She took they, them through her mind and yeah. actually processed. And processed there. What would my mother say? What would my – everybody is think, – you're thinking about these people and they're telling you – and you're hearing their wisdom sometimes. Yeah. And and that is a key thing because that's the sign of a healthy social network mm-hmm. that was cut because of your lostness, but you can draw on the wisdom of that. Well, if you're standing there and you're you're depressed, you think nobody in your family cares, you're wondering if it's even worth being alive, then – and you start asking – like even go start going through everybody in your mind. Yeah. You probably couldn't get too far through your family without thinking, huh, they kind of need me. Yeah. <laughs> People care. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. important. You know, about 50% of the actual searches that we've done have been for suicide victims. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. They just wander off you, and just want to be well, left alone. Yeah, they don't want to be found. Yeah. And I have been come back to the the land, well, the, the search, the IC, the Incident Command Center, more than once to see a family there or to. Just devastated. To, and I, I tell you, I can hardly talk about suicide because I've seen the aftermath of oh. it so many times. And it is devastating. And so that, you know, that connection with others if people realize that. It. And I need it. You know, when I feel discouraged and yeah, lost. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I channel, you know, I channel up as my grandmother and she's yeah. been gone for 30 years. But she was just loving and but cared her, yeah, for you. And, she loved me no matter what. Yeah. And her voice is still in my head. And so, you know, that's a psychological tool that you can use to, to sort of connect with that person and say, what would that person think? Like, what would grandma say to me right now about my job? Yeah. That I'm so fed up with and I've got to end it. Yeah. And should say. Grandma would give you some advice. Yeah. And should, that advice is still there. <laughs> That's cool. Four, um, you're never lost alone. Matt, I mean, this is just one of the great revelations of my You know, I, last, I'll give you an example. Last yeah. October, there was a young mother who was lost um, in the woods, and we were called on a Sunday morning about 7 o'clock to come look for her. And we pulled into the parking lot about 10 o'clock. And there were five or six cars there, and the family was there. And we deployed with our team about 12 people. I was 
incident commander, so I had to stay and manage things. Yeah. And as I stood there, one by one, these cars drive in, and they're from Colorado, and they're from Wyoming, and they're from all of Utah. And these are complete strangers, and they've been called up like we have, and they're coming to look. All these people. Are these professionals coming to help? They're volunteers. They're friends. They're volunteers. They're, volunteers. they're all volunteers. Every county in the United States, every county in the United States has a search and rescue team, and they're almost 100 percent volunteers. And then there are groups like ours that will work with multiple – You know, we, we support any county yeah. that needs canines. And uh, and there's so many good volunteers out there willing to do this. And so when you hear in the news, searchers said or yeah. searchers were looking, these are the searchers, and there are two or three hundred of them. Well, and there's all, and you're saying they're always there. There yes. will always be someone there physically to look for you, as as well as emotionally. So yeah. if you're having a breakdown, there's always going to be people that will care. Yeah, and some of them are complete strangers. Yeah, and not even you professionals. Know. Yeah, just a neighbor. Yeah. But they're going to come. So is, that is amazing to me. That is nice. Another one is movement creates opportunity. Hmm. And, you know, Bryce, again, he's right. Yeah. He was talking a little bit about this, that if you just get out and start looking for – try other things, yeah. you might get a little lost. But just right. movement creates opportunity. Well, that little sometimes. boy, that a little movement got him out in the field, and then he got on the hay bale, yeah. found a place to bed. And then you're okay. Which you know, is where the horses were coming anyway. Yeah, and you start seeing these kind of little things. Now, random thrashing around yeah. doesn't create opportunity. Right. But you could get strategic lost. movement, going out a little bit, coming back, going out a little bit, coming back, and finding what's in Vic- – yeah. uh, you know, Rita Christian is talking about yeah. her, the woman who was in the van for Can 48 explain days. Because this is a story that everybody heard of. This was in, uh, in Nevada. Yeah. Forty uh, something this days. This was last she was year. Lost. She was forty-eight days in a van. She'd come down from Canada on her uh. way to Las Vegas with her husband. She fell asleep in Boise and wakes up in the middle of the Humboldt um, no, National yeah. Forest in Nevada, not even knowing how they got there. The van stuck in its march, oh. and then a snowstorm starting to come in. Yeah. And you know, it was a late winter, very late winter. So they used to roads. You know, and her husband was looking for a shortcut. So he starts to try to walk out with her, and they can't get out the first day. The second day, he walks out on his own, and or tries to walk out yeah. on his own. And she stays and waits for him for forty-eight days. Uh. But you know, she ran out of water. She started going out a little bit and going out a little bit and going out a little bit, and pretty soon she found a stream. Um, and it, and then she goes out and looks for a stream, and a bird follows her back and stays with her in the van for for the rest of the time that she for was 40 there. For 40-something days, this bird's keeping her company. Yeah, and she just described that as complete hope. Now, to end the story, she yeah. was found after 48 days by people who are looking for antlers. And, um, and this is, again, for me, a rather sacred story. Yeah. Her husband, Al, we looked for him for almost 18 months. Uh, it was a long search. Last October, Rita invited me to go out uh, with her and the people who found her and some of the searchers. And and we and sh- she showed us where she'd stayed for 48 days. It's a very timid wow. but, but faithful woman, mm-hmm. fully faithful woman. And um, and talked about her the spiritual experience of being there for 48 days. And then her, her pastor uh, uh, came with her to provide support. And he asked us if we'd stand in a circle and have a prayer. So we stood in the circle and had a prayer. The guy next to me was the guy who'd actually found her. Oh, and neat. I don't think he was very used to yeah. praying. I mean, we don't was, pray much. Yeah, looking yeah. For and he's certainly not used to holding <laughs> yeah. hands with a guy. Yeah. But we all stood in a circle and held hands as instructed. And she offered this beautiful prayer. And three days later, they found Al's body oh. just at the, at the sum of an amount, a place where we would have never looked. And... Um, and, you know, I just – she this believes hope. that it was an answer to prayer. Absolutely. And the, even the bird hanging out with her yeah. gave her hope. Yeah. Wow. We're talking with Dr. Scott Hammond. Um, 
author of the book Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and the Wilderness. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, get more into some of these tools, the psychological survival kit that he's got. If you feel lost, don't give up. There is hope, and uh, this book can describe how to find that hope. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. It's time to talk, and Kim Power Stilson knows just what to talk about. Ten mind-body-spirit steps to fight fatigue and feel your best. Or maybe what it's like to be a demolition derby driver. You could even learn what is it really like in prison and how do you survive. Kim seeks out only the most interesting people to chat with. So join us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern for her show, Talk Worthy, right here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. The largest municipal bankruptcy filing in national history looks set to move forward thanks to a Michigan appeals court putting lawsuits challenging the filing on hold. Detroit's public workers, pension funds, and retirees want the bankruptcy blocked on state constitutional grounds. Despite a request from the DEFCON Hackers Conference, government officials stay away this year. A former CIA official and retired Air Force general will be addressing the conference next week. The request for the government to be absent comes as tension over spying continues. Continues to grow. A Southwest Airlines flight had a rough landing earlier today at New York's LaGuardia Airport when the front landing gear snapped as the plane touched down. Ten people were injured and officials have now cleared the runway. During notorious gangster Whitey Bulger's seven-week trial, he has been accused of murder, drug dealing, and even giving the FBI information on rival groups. Now his former right-hand man is adding pedophilia to the list, accusing Bulger of being intimate with a 16-year-old girl. College students are taking on more of their own costs, according to a new report from student loan provider Sally May. Parents are covering around 27 percent of their children's higher education costs, down 10 percent from just three years ago. In world news, clashes continue in Egypt between supporters and opponents of deposed former Islamist President Mohamed Morsi. At least nine people were killed in Cairo today during the violence, according to reports from state-run media. The royal family's new addition got his first taste of the world last night when his parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, presented their son to the world outside St. Mary's Hospital in London. The newborn prince's father says they're still working on a name. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We are talking about the universal issue of being lost, feeling lost. Apparently, it's just a human thing. Joined with us, joining us today is Dr. Scott Hammond, author of the book Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and the Wilderness. But uh, Dr. Hammond is works up at Utah State, the Huntsman Business School up there. Just starting there. Just starting. A new, yeah. a new gig. Yeah. That's <laughs> so good. He, and Dr. Hammond, we'll call him, was my professor that helped me get my master's degree. 
No, no, I, and Th- you were a pretty darn me. good student. Well, you, know? you helped me fall in love with dialogue theory, <laughs> which was a pretty good thing to And that's to fall what maybe our next show, huh? I know. We need to do that. In fact, that would be a great subject to discuss, how to have a dialogue. So, Scott, fill us in. Okay, you also work with dogs in um, search and rescue. Yes, Rocky Mountain Rescue Dogs is the group, and uh, and we do volunteer search and rescue, and we support – Mostly rural sheriffs because a lot of the search teams like on the Wasatch Front or highly populated areas, they have their own good teams, highly trained teams. But there are a lot of smaller places in the United States, in the Intermountain West, that they just don't have those resources. So so, they call you and you run out with your dogs and then the dogs hopefully – do the work. Yeah. And they, you know, one dog is as good as 10, That's maybe amazing. 100 searchers. It depends. That's cool. And, you know, um, one of our, uh, one of the guys on our team found that you uh, um, doll fellow from, uh, who was missing in the Wind Rivers about three weeks ago. Well, I'm so glad, by the way, list. because my son went to the Wind Rivers a week ago uh-huh. and he came back fine. So I was yeah. I was very that yeah. story came out right before my son left. But the like, interesting Ugh. thing about that is his dog alerted on the find while it was in the helicopter. Oh, that tells really? you how good these the dogs dog are. The dog was watching. Yeah, and as you can imagine a helicopter flying over a treetop level and the dog does does a cadaver alert and says I there's something there and they look down and there he is. Oh my heavens. So, you know, it's it's amazing what these dogs can do. Well, and all the training, 800 plus hours of yeah. training. Can't hurt either, yeah. can it? Oh, it's yeah. It takes a lot of time to get. So, Scott, you were helping us because um, this doesn't just apply to being lost physically. You know, you break your leg, you're in the backwoods somewhere. This also applies to just any of us that feel like we are lost. Oh, absolutely. And you're yeah. giving us though, kind of the psychological survival kit, basically. Yeah. So we were talking about movement creates opportunity. Yeah. And not thrashing around movement, but yeah. just you know, movement. Creates. Keep keep turning things over. Look for new things. Try some stuff. Go a little bit away from your safety zone. Then you can always go back to your safety zone. Yeah, yeah, and that's just a good strategy. Yeah. And then sixth one: um, some small things matter. Some big things don't. You know, it's yeah. interesting. You get out in the woods, and oh, you, yeah. your pockets might be full right. of cash. But if you don't have matches, <laughs> you know, you might be cold. You'll be burning dollars. Yeah, yeah burning dollars. <laughs> yeah, maybe thousand-dollar right. bills. It's funny. It, your hair, your car, all this stuff, once you're vulnerable, none of it matters. And you know how Boy Scouts have that 10 essentials kit yeah, yeah. that they have, you know? Yeah. And those are the most valuable things you can take <laughs> into the woods, right? It's true. And, and the, there's a 10 essentials kit that you can have in life, too. Family relationships would be in one of them. Good, solid relationships. People you can turn to for advice. People who can give you instrumental support. You know, they they may not be able to – you can't cry on the shoulder, but they can help you. Like I'm trying to sell my home right right now. I have a neighbor who's the world's best title insurance guy. He knows how to sell homes. Isn't that He's not the guy whose shoulder I cry on if I have a problem. But he can give me instrumental support. But there's also a a shoulder to cry on somewhere else. Yeah, But they could never sell your house. So you need – you know, there's that 10 essentials Uh list that you can have in your life. and it seems like, I mean, um, maybe having a sense of self-worth yes. is more valuable than a job. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you had the worth, you could figure it out. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have the worth and you don't like your job, you're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. And then we talked about fear itself can kill you and the yeah. devastating, the toxic thing about fear. As a college professor, I get a phone call about once a week from somebody who says, hi, this is so-and-so. And I'm a friend of so you know they might know somebody who knows me or they're somebody that's that I haven't seen for 20 years yeah. and then they'll say I'm networking, and that's code for I've lost my job. I need help. I need a job. I need help. I'm looking for something. And by the way, I'm probably just making this phone call, but I'm not really trying. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't very many often yeah. get, they're willing to follow up. They're willing to take my advice. Yeah. They're, you know, they're willing to buy me lunch. They're willing to do something yeah. to engage me in their search process. It's almost like, let's get this done so I can tell them I tried. Yes, yeah. And and you need to have that drive, yeah. that motivation for that. So that fear. And if you're if you're noticing too much fear, too much fear to change your job, too much fe- I've had many a couple where she knew something was going on in the marriage but was too afraid to say anything, too afraid to leave, too afraid to not. Too afraid to do anything, yeah. So we just wait. You're immobilized yeah. by it, and then you want you think that something is. If you do something wrong, it's yeah. worse. That's right. And actually, doing something wrong is sometimes the best thing you oh, can yeah. do. It's just because it's anything different than what you're doing. Yeah, that just in and of itself might help. You know this. This actually is a search strategy. You know what I spend most of my time doing? What? Not looking for the the subject, Don't you? but looking for the place where the subject's not. You know, so think about a grid, you know, and you've got these little squares and the subjects in one of those. It's like the battleship game. The subjects in one of those little boxes. But they send us out to all the other boxes and we come back at the end of the day and we say, not not here, here. not here, not here. And by after a while, you get a sense of where that person is. Oh, how fascinating. And that's a search strategy. It's also a life strategy. Where you can say, you know, I'd made that mistake. It's that's yeah. not my career. I won't do that again. Yeah, yeah. So making those mistakes is real important, it's, especially if you're noting down. You're using it as a positive. Yeah. Okay. This is where we're not going to go anymore. This this career thing didn't work for me then. Yeah. This one I didn't like. Then you can start tuning it but in. But that's also the same process we use when we date, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> not that's not He's the person. That's not the person. That's not the person. And so we then we come back and say, that's, that's the person. That's fascinating. That really that is. That really is the person. You, you, know? you wouldn't think that that – but it's almost deductive, I guess. Yeah. It's, but it's – it's positive too. Yes. It's or po- you could just see it. Well, we're not. See, we're not getting her anywhere. We can't find anything. Yeah. So the, in that way, down. there's almost no such thing as failure. That's wonderful. And you know, you've got to keep moving like that. Then you know, the eighth issue for me, and this is really important. No one's saved without hope. That sounds like a cliche, but yeah. a couple of, of years ago, we went on a search for a fellow. Um, he was actually found on Antelope Island. He was despondent. He was, you know, we get about half of what the people we were searching for are despondent yeah. and they're likely suicides. And he was despondent. And after he was found, we found out from the searchers that he had been the subject of three searches Prior in a year. Searches. Oh, boy. So he had been missing three times. He'd been lost the whole time. He came home. You know, after they found him yeah. and had no hope, no support, no parents who cared, no um, therapist, none of these things yeah. connected for him. So, you know, no surprise, a couple of months later, he's out wandering in a different county this time and gets lost yet again. Mm. And so lostness, you know, the only way to really counter lostness is is hope. Yeah. And we all have to have it. What um, do you do if – I mean, because that's where – that's kind of where it hits the wall is – if I'm just imagining this person's parent, yeah, that has tried, I've tried, tried. to give yeah. hope. Oh yeah, but you know, at some point, it's just, it's hard. And that's the hardest thing about it because there are people who want to be found. You know, there are these kids yeah. out there; they're lost. They yeah. want to be found. They'll do anything yeah. to be found. But then there's a whole group of people who don't want to be found. Don't find me. And then there are another group of people who are de- deny that they're lost. Yeah. Oh, we're not even lost. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not a problem for me. You I've know? done that. I've yeah. just been driving and someone's like, are you lost? No, we're fine. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're sorry. No one's dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's real. It's, yeah, it's, it's real. That's kind of the ego, isn't it? That we don't, 
or the ignorance. We yeah. just don't know we're not. We don't know what we are and we don't know what we're not. Maybe it's because we don't know where we're going. So I had a fellow call me up about two weeks ago and this man runs a major corporation. Okay, he's uh, in the billions, you know, kind wow. of a corporation. Yeah. Uh, he's actually been the number three person there and he was just named the number one person there. And, you know, I can't say more than that except that he called me up and he said, Scott, I am lost. I never thought I would have this job. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the skill. I am lost, you know. <laughs> and his ability to admit that is the first step. Oh, that's huge. You know, it's just like the first step. And now, It's probably a great sign he'll be a great leader. Yeah, yeah, because he's saying, I've got to go build this relationship. I've got to get this skill. I've got to learn how to do this. i got to know these people. Mm-hmm. i got to call Scott and talk to him and get somebody yeah. who can coach me. Yeah. You know, I've got all of these things no, he's doing, and it's a big first step. And if we don't... If you don't know you're lost, but you're not getting results you want in life, you're probably lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sign. So, you know, we talked about like divorce, substance abuse, yeah. um, job loss, economic blows, illness, accident, the death of a loved one. All of those things can just rip your hope yeah. away. And and the only way you can get back is to find that hope. I had a young friend. This is a long story, but uh, I'll just make a short version of it. A young doctor friend who um, had suffered uh, through a very difficult cancer situation. And um, then she had another um, – she doesn't specialize in oncology. She's not a – but she had a friend of mine came in to see her um, and was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And this other doctor just took over her soul and said, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to I'm going to help you through this. And then my friend who also, you know, who was yeah. helped through this, she called me up because another somebody she knew she I knew help. had a breast. She said, "I'm going to help that person." It's like the hope and they network. call up, yeah, and it becomes this hope network. It goes bam bam bam. Huge. I can help you through this. I've been through it. I know your situation's different, but I can help you. Yeah. And one of the things that just amazes me about, you know, I talked about these people pouring out of the out of everywhere yeah. to come look for a stranger is that so many of them have been lost themselves. So the person who mentored me with my dog, who helped me with my dog, was is a recovering alcoholic. Now, she's 12 years sober, yeah. but she calls herself a recovering alcoholic, and she's been lost. You know, all of us really have been lost, and we make the best searchers. Well, that not that it? That means the hope could simply be there's a light here where you're going to be able to help someone else yeah. understand Lost, yeah, and or so, get out of lost. You know, I I, I helped a dear aunt a few um, pass die essentially yeah. over the last year, and she passed away about two. You didn't two drive months her ago. to death, no, but she was just Parkinson's tired. She wanted out at the end of it all. You know, and you walked her. That's yeah, me. and and the hope that she had in her life was that tomorrow she had a the next day. She said, "I've got somebody coming in who's going to listen to my advice." And I'm going to leave a legacy with my children, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So she, you know, I'd go into her room at a care center, and all the care people were sitting around listening to her <laughs> advice because she gave the best dating advice and the so best love great. advice. She lived for that, yeah. and it was that hope of helping somebody the next day, and then the legacy she would live with her children. And so what I did, all I could do, was to remind her of those two things and talk her through that, and that. That was her little hope generator. So yeah. even people who are paralyzed in a bed in the worst possible circumstance with death at the door can find some way oh, to generate powerful. hope. That's Viktor Frankl yeah. uh, who's sitting in this Auschwitz, this horrible camp, but envisioning the day he's going to teach his students or envisioning the day he's going to be with his wife. Yeah. 
and it it it, fosters, it generates this hope. Yeah, and you know the Aaron Ralston story that everybody's heard of the 148 hours or whatever yeah. it was the guy who cuts his arm off yeah. in Moab. He describes at the end of his situation that when he's just in despair, and then he has this vision of a three-year-old boy running towards him, and he sees it. He says, "That's my son, his future now, son, or his, his future real son. son. He doesn't even have a. He son. doesn't even have a son at that point, but he sees this future son running towards him." And if you can have a vision of the future, if you can have a sense of the future and what the future will bring, even if it's tomorrow and I'm just going to have somebody I can help tomorrow in this care center, if you can have a vision of the future, you have hope. And then the last one for me, the last lesson of the loss for me is no one comes home unscathed. You don't come home to the same place. Yeah. We always think, you know, you're out there lost and you think, if I'll just get everything right, it'll all be the same again. It's never the same. Well, you're not the same. You're not the same. And you might not – you don't even come back from any search the same. No, no. I mean it's an interesting thing because you're not just volunteering. You're actually – you're giving a part of your heart up. Yeah. Like you're you're creating a space now for all of these stories to be a part of your heart. I mean you can't come back from that normal or the same. Yeah, and in my case, you know, I've just been fed by it. I just it feeds you. It yeah, feeds it's not you. like you're losing. It's yeah. just additive to your life. Yeah, it's just a great, incredible blessing. And so you started out this whole thing by saying, "What am I doing out there?" Yeah. You know, you're if just I had to stories. give up a lot of things, I'd give up a lot of things. I wouldn't give up my family, but I'd give up yeah. a lot of things before this. And I, I, you know, my when I first got into it, I had no idea how much time, how demanding the time would be. And uh, and my, and it did create some tension in the family because I'm gone every third weekend for just training, and then at any given time the pager can go off and yeah. you're gone. Well, and plus what you see, yeah, and the trauma and the hardship, and then but then the blessings, the good stuff. But you know the story is in much deeper detail in the book. But the second search I did was for my own brother-in-law. Was it really? And that changed it all because wow. you know did I, you. Out of nowhere, now you're searching for your brother-in-law. I mean, you yeah. you all of a sudden get the call to go search for your brother-in-law. Well, yeah. I mean, that's – well, that would, is that why you became a searcher? No. No, but, you know, I'd been working. I knew he was in – had some troubled issues and there was, you know, years of, of issues. Wow. And uh And we had to go up and he, he went missing and uh, we thought he'd gone off to start a new life and – then a few – after the winter thought, they found his car and oh, man. you know we had to go looking for him and I had to go. Did we find him? Yeah. And I had to go tell my wife uh, that we'd found his – It was her, her brother. Her little brother. And uh, you know she just now is so darn supportive <laughs> I, you know, because yeah. she understands that even yeah. when it's a situation, a difficult situation like that, that it's, that it's bringing home yeah. hope to oh. the people who are there. Well, and less – I mean we here at BYU, we lost one of our great producers, just a young kid yeah. that was – that went up hiking and slipped and fell. Or, our team was yeah, up on that You search. were up on that search. Yeah. I mean and we – the prayers offered, the fa- – I mean just the intensity of the emotion that – and we had never met his family. Yeah. But the love we felt for him, the connection we felt, it's real. Yeah, it's very, very real. Well, and the and the love we feel for people that'll go up and do that. I mean, it's it, it's really what it, the spirit of it creates. This this is that's why it's the human factor. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you this. Uh, we were up in a 
uh, looking for a fellow at Daggett Lake, a 12-year-old scout, and he essentially walked out. But they got us up really <laughs> he early. He was done. And, yeah. He, no, he saved himself. I yeah. mean, we had nothing to do with it. But they got us up really about 4 in the morning, and then we had to hike into Daggett Lake, which is about 4 miles. And we set up to do our search, and we were about ready to deploy at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. And the radio crackles, and it says, I found a green bandana. Now, that's code for we found a live victim, and they're fine. Oh, wow. You know, a yellow victim yeah. is uh, – because you don't want yeah, – you, you don't want on the radio. You up. want uh, – yeah. you know, you have – so – he was from Hooper, Utah, you know. So uh-huh. he's from this little town in Hooper. About 200 people from his ward, from we're his church were all up there. To help. And, they were, and they were being held back at the trailhead because they wanted the dogs to come in first. So we w- hiked out. It was another four miles out. It probably took us an hour and a half. And as we came down the hill, 200 people from Hooper, Utah cheered us. Oh, wow. And, you know, we had nothing to do with finding him. You know, we just – he had walked out on his own. That's cool. He had found himself. It wasn't a problem. Yeah. And they cheered. Community. And I called my wife and I said, my self-esteem is higher than it's ever been. <laughs> I didn't do anything today. But, <laughs> but I, well, they well, love but, me. You know? But that's it. And there's this, there's, that's what's neat about this is the hope. So if anyone's out there lost, there, there's hope. Yeah. yeah. And, and do something right now. Do something to get yourself out of it. Yeah. And move forward. Move forward. And people will help you, and they will love you back. Powerful. So. Okay, Dr. Scott Hammond, Lessons of the Lost. You can find the book on the website, LessonsOfTheLost.com. Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work, Life, and the Wilderness. Scott, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. You're the best. Proud of you. Great book. Check it out. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back answering your, uh, your questions from the Internet. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Heart specialists could soon be watching their work live in 3D from the inside. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The cardiac specialist wants to operate on your heart. You have a slight rhythm problem with the way it beats, and by going in and separating a nerve from tissue inside the heart, the doctor can cure you. But until now, he couldn't see clearly how he was doing it. A new development in miniaturized ultrasound transducers will let the doctor see inside your heart while it's beating in 3D from any angle. RTI International makes the new award-winning device, which may go to test trials with patients soon. Their breakthrough is shrinking the element that makes the ultrasound pulses into a tiny sliver of silicon, etched just like integrated circuit chips for computers. The miniaturized device, about the size of a grain of rice, sits at the end of a catheter and makes its way to your heart through a leg artery. Once inside the right side chamber, it can image the entire left side chamber, including the valves, in crisp detail. With this live volumetric ultrasound imaging, the doctor can rotate his 3D view to see the operation site from any angle and use a second catheter tool to fix your heart. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Just been talking about lessons of the lost. You ever just feel like you're lost? You can't get ahead in the world, trapped, scared, ashamed. 
don't give up. There's uh, there's great uh, help out there. And again, go check out that book, Lessons of the Lost from Dr. Hammond. Good stuff. Now, at this point, we usually like to do our um, The Internet Asks. Matt Answers. Matt Answers. So let's do it. Are there any like really difficult questions today? Oh, I've got a big stack Lost of them people. here. Let's uh, grab one at random here. Couple's been dating. Oh, boy. Here we go. There's their first mistake. <laughs> the uh, husband-to-be, I guess they're, they're not married yet. They're probably getting close to maybe where the entire engagement, they've been going out for two years. He's 30, she's 40. Mm. He's starting to kind of backpedal a little bit. Concern, he says he loves her just as much as he ever has, but it's his first ever serious relationship and he has nothing to compare it to, and he doesn't know where he's at, and he still wants to be friends and spend time together, but he's thinking maybe he'd break up with her because he's afraid that down the road he may end up hurting her feelings later because he might find he the wants to date somebody The preventative breakup else. because we might hurt the feelings later. My, Sorry. I have breaking news for her. That is, he's not worried about breaking her feelings later. He's worried about breaking her feelings like next now. week. Because yeah. he's 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 ready to, he's, to move I on. call that storytelling. So mm-hmm. now he needs a story. I don't want to hurt her. But what it usually means is he's already moving on. And he knows it's inevitable. He's going to lower the boom. It's going to get ugly. And he doesn't want to hurt her. And if she, he waits till she's too much older, man, that would be rude. She needs to, you know, she's here to find somebody. So uh, the interesting thing about that, the signs are already there. He's already not interested. I mean, in some ways, he's actually being a nice guy because he's trying to break it off before he moves on. I mean, he could have just cheated on her, right, yeah. and then hurt her feelings. Yeah. But he's trying to actually, like, let her down easy, right? Yeah, except it's interesting. See how our when we tell the story, we always tell um, – there's a bunch of stories we can tell. The villain story where someone else is horrible and evil or the victim story where you, t- you were taken advantage of. He's telling what we call the hero story where he doesn't want to hurt her in the future. So the story is very kind of – it seems nice, but the reality is it's just a foretelling of his current state, which is he's not in. He's not in. So um, w- w- was it her question or it's his that's, question? That's her question. So she's he's he's probably and what's hard done. Is, yeah, what's hard reading this is she sees this. No, everything's fine. It's the way it's been for the past two years. But he's just withdrawing a little bit right now. Yeah. I don't think she sees it coming. There's, I be, I'll bet you bucks there's what we call a greener pasture in his life. He's got a girlfriend. He's got an idea of who he would chase. His mom wants to line him up, or he's already sure he's done. But he just doesn't know how to say it. So please, lady, come on. Read the tea leaves if you're into tea leaves. Thank you. Another angel got wings. You got another one there, Colonel? Um, couple uh, dating. Uh, he is 39. She's 36. Um, went on several dates. They're probably on about their fourth, fifth date. And uh, he found out that she has a family history of Alzheimer's. Hmm. Mother had Alzheimer's fairly young. Her mother had Alzheimer's fairly young. And he did a little bit of research on Alzheimer's and how young people can get it and that sort of thing. And uh, it's making him want to take off and maybe not ask her out again. But then he feels <sighs> kind of like a dirtbag for doing it. Cause he's Accurate. You are a dirtbag. Um, okay, it makes sense. You're afraid. You know what else? She could also, I don't know, just have a bad attitude. Uh, she could also be allergic to, to shellfish. She could also, I could give you 5,000 things that could go wrong. Odds are, statistically, she probably won't have Alzheimer's. Come on. 
do you love her or don't you? If are we in or we're not? If we're going to make a commitment eventually, how long do they date? Um, I could say they're only on date four or five. So, so they... these are signs. These are, there's bigger signs. The minute you need a story to get out of a relationship, you're out of it. You're no longer in the relationship. There, I mean, if he were feeling love and profoundly wanting this woman, there's nothing that would stop him. Not even a potential diagnosis of Alzheimer's in 50 years. You nothing. Know, Alzheimer's can't keep us apart. Love overcomes everything. Yeah. I have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. I have Alzheimer's, but Alzheimer's doesn't have me. I have – in my family, I've had grandparents die – in my wife's family, grandparents die. Um, her, um, my mother-in-law's got Alzheimer's. It's scary. And I love my wife. And if my wife gets Alzheimer's, I'm there. And it's not because I'm special. It's because I love her. Um, it's too easy. When, where does this end? I mean really, are we going to start doing checks? Health checks about what your DNA profile is before we start marrying you? Am I going to check your teeth? Well, that was old school. Am I going to – I mean at some point, you're in or you're out. And if we're going to start making decisions based on potential things, we're in trouble. Let's go to this guy's family history, by the way, because I'll bet you bucks there's some ugly stuff in there. Oh, diabetes? Huh? Diabetes? Huh? You want to bet heart, a little heart disease? So we start worrying about that? He's looking for a story. Man, that's two looking for stories. Two angels getting wings, but they need to be clipped. We just clipped them both. We have 30 seconds. Okay. You got one more? We go real fast here. Uh, wife, uh, the, uh, Husband and wife, they've been married about three years. About two, three weeks ago, she did something that upset him. He was very upset. She wouldn't say what it is. Um, then he said everything was fine. He'd forgiven her. But she still still feels very numb and has for several days. Huh. Doesn't she used to get a warm, happy feeling when he hugged me? She says, but lately she just feels nothing. And he also said that if, when they were dating, she had done this, he would have broken up with her. What this thing was yeah. that she did. Yeah. But now she, they've been married for a but while. But she doesn't say what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Numb, numb feelings. So feelings, as even uh, Dr. Hammond told us earlier, feelings um, are going to come from our thoughts. And even whether our thoughts are conscientious, like we're actually thinking a thought or it's a subconscious thought, feelings flow from that. So if I'm going to bet um, he is numb. So she feels he's numb. No, she feels she's numb. She's numb still because of what's happened. Yeah. So part of this is healing. We've got to get over it. Just give it some time. Give it some healing. By the way, the feelings, remember, are coming from some thought, either something she's actually thinking like, ah, this is scary, or um, from something deeper, more like... That, that was a bad mistake. Uh, there's no recovering from that mistake. I'd probably suggest to them, if the, th- if the thoughts and the numbness continue, we got to get some help. And so therapy. I'd send them to go get some help. They need help. Another angel got wings and a little therapy on the side. Hey, folks, thanks for listening to us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to be back tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow is the 4th, 20, no, 24th. It's a local holiday here. So uh, you'll hear a great repeat show from us, I'm pretty sure. And then we'll be back Thursday for more great ideas and tools from the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.